0: The show you're about to hear is a member of the Planes Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to planestalkerspodcast.com.
1: Plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one mana. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. Hide in your basement and play on your computer. <laughs> That's been my dream for years, and I'm finally getting to do it. <laughs> These things are freaking rare. And, yeah. like, the, like, it's good because, perfectly honest, I think they're ugly. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel. We're proud members of the Planes Talkers Podcasting Network, and we're here to talk magic. Matt, how you doing today?
1: Oh, pretty good. Typical Tuesday. You had the day off, spend it playing video games, still on uh, Final Fantasy XI. It's the American dream. This- Take a day off of work, hide in your basement, and play on your computer. <laughs> That's been my dream for years, and I'm finally <laughs> getting to do it. So I was playing Final Fantasy XI, and then there was actually some... I had mentioned a few weeks ago i played Gloomhaven online. There were a couple issues with the game where I talked about like advantage and like buffing your characters and how they those weren't perfectly lined up with the board game. Well they they actually just patched that. So like Nice. So I Gloomhaven got a little bit better. I'm having a blast playing Final Fantasy Eleven, leveling a red mage for anybody who's listening still, still working on gearing that out. And I've also started tinkering out around with Geomancer, which is a support class, and can do some incredibly powerful things in the game. It's a support class, it buffs your your party, and it can do some very strong status effects to enemies, and it does it in like an AoE around itself, so like, you stand somewhere and everyone in that circle just gets buffed or debuffed, and if you get a couple of them, you can do some stupid broken stuff.
0: Is it better than the wizard just killing everyone on the map every other it, turn? It,
1: well, this is 11, but one of the things people do a lot is they'll get two Geomancers, and a samurai can just, literally just solo things. 'Cause it will they'll just debuff its magic defense and it'll use a couple weapon skills and do a skill chain and that skill chain will literally max damage for the game. And <laughs>
0: <laughs> so is 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 max damage a number or is it just nine 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 nine?
1: It's five nines. It's, it's one yeah. one less than a hundred thousand. And so it's just like weapon skill, weapon skill, max damage dead. Next enemy, weapon skill, <laughs> weapon skill <max>. so <laughs> that's
0: pretty funny. So that's
1: that's the class I started to, to mess around with today. Gotcha. So how long is what's the what's the lag time between
0: starting to mess with a class and having it ready to like go pwn the game?
1: Um, it really depends. So the one of the good things about Final Fantasy XI is there's a ton of different tiers of content. I mostly play solo. One of the reasons I want to play Geomancer is it's very group friendly. So a weak Geomancer is still a Geomancer Mm -hmm. and can still do things that no other class can do. So it has value.
0: Does it make it easier to like party up with people? Correct. They're they're, they're happy to have you in their squad. Yep.
1: Even if you're not, you don't have the best in slot gear, you're still doing something because the the fact of the matter is most people want to be the guy carrying a big sword, right, and swinging it or casting major spells. I raise my hand. Most people don't want to spend their time. Just sitting around like buffing or debuffing, just doing utility type of stuff. It's
0: being a healer. Being a healer isn't necessarily that fun. There's there's no glamour in dropping heal spells.
1: Correct, and this is even less glamorous because with healers, you get that active like you get those moments of oh no, the tank's about to die. Like we just took a big attack, and I can I can really flex. This is I'm gonna use these couple abilities. They're just really powerful, but it's not super exciting. Mm -hmm. So if you're willing to be the person who does that then you don't necessarily have to have the best gear in the game in order to get a spot in a party. That being said, a well-geared Geomancer is probably the individually most, like, single most sought-after class. Gotcha. Uh, The the way the game works is they have, like, relic weapons and whatnot, and they're very, very hard to get. Like, if I sat down and started to get one today, it'd be probably three to six months before I finished it. Jesus. For one piece of gear. But they're class-defining. So, like, this one makes the buffs so they work on percentages right so if you put a buff up it'll be or a debuff let's say this debuff will be like that any enemy in this range its magic defense is reduced by 20% this individual weapon alone almost doubles that well then <laughs> and that's how that works is earlier when i was talking about with the 2GOs and a samurai you have 2GOs with those weapons and they basically reduce the magic defense of an enemy to near zero Mm -hmm. and then they take full damage from these attacks and it just wrecks them geos just it's super cool it's a got a lot of moving parts to it and a lot of cool stuff so one of those things i can deep dive on
0: i mean it makes sense too to pick up and get into a heavily in demand character yeah with it with a game that cooperation and co-op play is such a big deal being able to party up easier is a big deal i remember when you play overwatch similar but different but like you have wait times for DPS of like five to eight minutes because everybody wants a DPS, but you could hop into play tank and you could play a match in like 30 seconds is a queue time. Yep. And so I just, you get really good. I'm a really good tank and a really good healer, not a very good DPS. Cause I would rather play 10 games as a tank than three games as a DPS.
1: Yep. And this is the same way. Um, so like if you're a group, you've got maybe three DPS, right? That you want to, you, you have a party of six, you need probably a tank, a healer, a support, and then three people dealing damage. there's, Eighty percent of the players want to deal damage, and they, you're, they're fighting for those spots. If you have your pick of the litter, you're going to pick the guy with the best gear. Be- like, there's no reason for you to pick a poorly geared DPS because there's a perfectly geared DPS right beside him, right? Mm-hmm. So it makes it very hard to get into yep. groups as a DPS because they want to know, like, you need to have your basically. If you want a group at high end in Final Fantasy XI as a DPS, you have to have your relic weapon, whatever, yep. whichever one that is. You have to have it. Like, you'll hear shouts for it, and it'll be like rima bard or rima samurai only
0: yep because because enough people have, have been have been playing this game long enough that you just can't compete with a with a, a lobby full of dps maxed right. out
1: correct so, so. Well, whereas geomancer because so few people want to spend their time casting buffs has it's you know it kind of gets one foot in the door yeah just by the nature of its class yep so
0: it's, cool. it's like it's like looking for a healer i mean like yep. you'll you you people follow themselves trying to offer to DPS for you and then you're sitting there being like, well, if we can get a healer in the next 10 minutes, we'll be able to run this dungeon.
1: Yep. So I've been like I said, I play mostly solo. So Geomancer is going to be one of the kind of how I like dip my toe into group content. I think.
0: Don't do it. Just keep playing solo. Games get way better (laughs) when you're by
1: yourself. (laughs) Well, the nice thing is while every online community has its toxic people and Final Fantasy 11 is no exception, it's sort of like Legacy at this point where you have to really be into the game yeah, in be- <laughs> order to be paying a, playing a 20-year-old MMO that has probably, I mean, the level of dedication it takes to have a max-level character makes modern MMOs look like a joke. I mean, like I
0: said, one weapon will take you six months. The amount of dedication you need to play a 20-year-old game that costs you 15 bucks a month to play.
1: Right. But, like, I mean, a perf- so one of the things that uh, I personally don't do it, but I kind of track it as a means of tracking inflation, is how much you can buy... Uh, gill, the currency for. So if you wanted to put together one of these weapons and you just straight up bought the gill, and there's other requirements too, so you probably have 20 or 30 hours worth of grinding you can't skip, yep. plus another $500 worth of gill you'd need to buy. That's how much you'd need to farm to get one of these weapons. Gotcha. Like they, It's a huge commitment of it time is. and resources and most of the people that play anymore are on that level of commitment and they're not really assholes. They're, they yeah. still are, but like most of the people it are weed, really welcoming it, because they just want people to play with. It weeds
0: out the the punk
1: it kids. It keeps out the riffraff. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically yeah. what it boils it's down to. It's not a
0: not Call of Duty lobby.
1: Correct. It's, you have to be really serious about the game. Now, the flip side of that is they expect you to do your job.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they have high expectations. <laughs> they,
1: and they're they're. I don't want... Not that I think you know anybody's going to run out and play Final Fantasy XI on my recommendation, but there are stepping stones like if Mm -hmm. you get in a group a guild they're called link shells but if you get in a guild you can find a guild that will walk you through in game and help you gear up like it's not like you can't group but if you're expecting to just hop on and just do the highest level content you're you're not even people are just going to kick you when they check your gear and they can they can look at your gear yeah any player can examine another player's gear so yeah it's fun i've been having a blast I'm i love it i'm glad how you been doing Been doing good the uh there's been some movement in the tra- in the chess
0: game, so I haven't talked about it very much for a couple of weeks. So I haven't been pounding it as hard. I, st- I watch some videos regularly. I uh, I do some puzzles here and there, but I haven't really been like pushing on it really hard. I made some friends. I, I reconnected with an old friend of mine through Battlefield. It was-, it was Dustin who I met up with through Battlefield. from
1: Which you've already abandoned, correct?
0: Which we've already abandoned, <laughs> yep. Uh, it's getting better. I-, I watched the updates on it. There's been tons of updates in Battlefield, and it's getting better. But he ended up finding a game called Super People, which is essentially Apex mixed with PUBG, maybe with a little extra PUBG thrown on top. Mm-hmm. And he's he just he's a fucking PUBG fanboy. He lo- he's got hundreds of hours in PUBG, and so he was like, "Hey, it's on a free beta until the end of the month. Download it. And we'll play together. That thing that you do a lot. Except when we start playing, you quit playing and leave me alone on the game. Except he didn't. Sure." it's happened a few times it doesn't happen that much but it's happened a couple times you got me on a game yep i said sure (laughs) but so he had a couple friends so we would we would stack up and and i've now played many hours with these people and one of them they or i should say one of them two of them play chess semi regularly and since we started talking about it we started talking about like oh i like gotham chess he's the youtuber i watch and stuff and so he's like hey let's start playing for funsies and we start we started playing like we've started playing five day games where I'm used to playing like 10 minute games or 20 minute games, which obviously are a lot harder than a five day game. The idea being that we both have five days on our clock. And so you just kind of play it whenever you have time. You, you know, you, if you forget about it for two days, it's fine. The game isn't going to end.
1: People used to play chess uh, by correspondence, like through the mail. You just, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to make one move write down the move, mail it to my buddy yep. across the country. He's got the same game board. He's going to move for yep. me. And then you really know. back
0: before the yeah. Internet was a thing. And yep. that's what we're doing now. We're just, you know, I don't know where this person lives, but we just get to play the, this fun game around each other's schedule across the country. And it's a lot more fun getting to like really dive deep into the moves. You know, we're not using engines. We're not cheating. But so I had, I had a lot of fun doing that. And I, if you remember when I first talked about playing chess and trying to learn and learn openings and learn middle games and learning how to close games, I was like, I really like to get like in the 1,000-ish area, like to 1 to 1,100. And that's based on the games that I see uh, um, Gotham Chess review. He does a lot. He does a, a cool series called Guess the Elo. Elo is the name of your ranking yep. on chess.com or maybe in chess in total. I don't know shit about chess. <laughs> I'm learning. But your Elo is your is your global ranking, essentially. And, I, um, and he would do a game where he, he would or he would do a, a series where he watches a game and then he tries to guess what ranking these people are. So he'll watch them play and and like making fun of their silly moves, their mistakes and be like, well, this seems like a like a twelve hundred ish level player. Yeah. And so based on like what I was seeing from like eight hundreds and twelve hundreds and sixteen hundreds, I'll probably never be a sixteen hundred or an eighteen hundred or even a fifteen hundred. Takes a lot of work. I don't have time to commit to that. But I was like, if I could ever break the one thousand ish, that'd be pretty cool. I think like, you got to have you're a
1: respectable chess player. Yeah, for a normie, you're like,
0: you're definitely above the normal riffraff once yeah. you're playing in the one thousand to, to twelve hundred or fourteen hundred range. And I, you know, fourteen hundred is I, I thirteen to fourteen. is probably like the like the big jump where it's like that person is good at chess. Well, yeah, and
1: each I imagine it's the same thing with every rating. The higher you go, it's more difficult for, to get from a thousand to eleven 1, hundred than yes. it is to get from nine hundred to a thousand.
0: So I play a lot of chess online, but I play mostly against computers because I don't like playing against people. I like playing at my own speed. Um and so I was ranked like 900ish. After playing a few games with uh, my friend who was ranked like 1250, I'm now sitting at like 1200. Nice. And so that's probably that might be where I kind of settle in is between like honestly I probably between like 11 and 1200 is where I'm supposed to be and I've had a couple lucky streaks winning against him. But that was a really like cool feeling Um, over the last week to play a couple games with him actually have like some really good exchanges go my way where I planned some stuff out and it worked and then got myself into a couple pickles and had to think my way out and was able to and which is always kind of like a little confidence boost you know when you're when you're doing something but you're not really sure you're good at it yet until you yeah. get tested and I got tested and was found good enough yeah so.
1: well and that's you had said the word and I know exactly what you mean but that's one of my things I've always loved about chess is there isn't luck Mm-hmm. you're either white or black that's there's a coin flip involved yep. and there's mistakes play. there's mistakes there's no lucky draws, and there's compounding mistakes yep and but there's no like oh,
0: uh-huh he he. my opponent Ancestral. just hit
1: runner 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 and now i'm dead yep and that's
0: like the last game we were playing it was a lot of back and forth and i was the white and i'm actually much worse white than i am black mm-hmm. i know a couple of black uh, openings i don't really know any white openings really well because you know it's hard to google them and learn when you're lazy So I I, playing as the white as the game was going into move like 10 and 12 and 15, like nothing, no no exchanges had happened. Nothing had happened. But just looking at the board, I'm like, he's taking a lot more space than me. He's setting up attacks. I can see where he's moving and I'm just kind of turtling up. Mm -hmm. And I was was starting to get really worried. Like, I don't know if this is gonna work out for me because when these attacks come to fruition and he starts really putting the pressure on, I don't know if I'll be able to fend him off. And he basically made one mistake. That's all that, it takes. Yep. Yeah, that allowed me to essentially take a knight and fork uh, his king and a rook. And so turn my bishop into a trade it for a knight and a rook. Oof. And yeah, that gave me a, a decent good. point lead that I was able to ride to victory.
1: I know just enough about chess to like, I know what you're talking about. I My elo is zero. I, I've never played a competitive game of chess in my life. I played it as a kid. I Do you know how the pieces move? Yeah, I know how yep. I know how all the pieces move. I know the basic strategy of developing your pieces, planning attacks, covering pieces, controlling the center, like that kind of stuff, like mm. basic tactics and whatnot. But I've never played a competitive game in my life. It's something I've like always wanted to dabble in, but just never did because mm-hmm. there's a lot of like chess is something if you can get good at chess, you can take those principles and apply them to other parts of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's mainly why I would do it. It's, it's the game itself isn't terribly interesting to me because I do like, well, it's fun to like never lose to bad luck. It's also not as fun to never draw the top deck you need. Yep.
0: Well, you know, for a fact at the end of the game, is like, I just got beat. <clears throat> Correct. And there, I played poorly. Like
1: if you play against the, like if I was to play against you, you would probably beat me game after game after game.
0: Probably. And
1: probably for the next 20 games. Yep. And to like, start to like, figure it out. Yep. Whereas if we play 20 games of magic, even if I was a relative beginner, if we're playing with relatively even decks, I'm going to have a shot at winning some games.
0: There's a chance I just draw four lands in a row.
1: And that's like, I don't have currently the time to be like that super competitive where I'm just going to be like, yeah, well chess is what I'm doing for the next, Mm I'm going to do that for eight hours a day, every day until I'm good at it. Yep. So now
0: clearly I haven't done that, but what I have done is I have spent the last probably three, three months, three, four months. Casually consuming chess content and playing some and you know, looking at openings, watching how to videos. Um, I do, I do learn a lot just by watching chess be played. And, yep. um, listen, now I lit what is what's perfect about watching Gotham Chess is I get to watch, uh, he's not a grandmaster, he's an international master, but he's almost a grandmaster. Watch almost a grandmaster evaluate low level play a lot because mm-hmm. most of what he evaluates is the 800 to 1400. Because shockingly, that's where the vast majority of his audience rests. Yep. So that's he makes content for them. So getting to watch a professional critique a beginner's chess games, I, I learn a lot from that. Yeah, you that. can
1: get huge amounts of improvement. Yes,
0: I, I look at the decisions he that you know, a player makes versus what he recommends and how to and how to transition board states and what he tells you to do. And he's speaking about the kinds of games I'm playing. So I've learned a lot from him. And it isn't like I've, you know, I didn't just start playing. I, I've only played like, let's say, 10 games of chess, but I have I've spent months learning and practicing chess doing my homework essentially yeah and i've kind of settled into this nice like probably like i said probably 11 to 1200s where i should probably rest right now
1: i have a longer learning curve for most things so like i'll typically get better than a lot of people at stuff but it takes me much longer to get to mediocre or Mm -hmm. even what i would consider good so like i just don't have the time to do another thing yeah (laughs) it's one of the things like there's probably a shit ton of people who've would have they've always wished they got good at chess? Mm-hmm. Like if you're like a gamer, if you especially, you know, I like board games and whatnot. Yeah, chess is just one of those games. That well, chess is kind of the game. Yeah,
0: like it's one of like like chess is like <clears throat> one of the original games people think of when you're like, oh, I want to play a skill a skill testing game because yep. magic is a skill testing game, but people don't think of magic; they think of chess.
1: Well, chess is also basically free.
0: Yeah, it costs twenty bucks for uh board.
1: You could play chess with paper.
0: Yep, you can. I mean, uh, in (laughs) fairness, you can go to chess.com and you can make a free account. You can play chess with random people all day long forever. Yep. So it's... There's
1: almost zero barrier to entry. Zero barrier
0: to entry. And it's... There's also... There's no cap. Like, you'll you'll never be perfect at chess. You just... You're as good as you want to be. Yep. Well, now that we've done about 20 minutes on Not Magic...
1: Sounds about right. Before we get started this
0: week, I do want to give a shout out to our mothership show, the Planes Talkers podcast. Will and Aramis uh, record a Standard and Commander-based podcast every Monday around 7 p.m. Eastern Standard at twitch.tv forward slash Planes Talkers podcast. I always recommend everyone that's looking for a little more magic content in their life, check them out. They do a really good job of putting together a really nice show. It sounds good. It looks good. And they have a great rapport, kind of like me and Matt. They're good friends and they have a lot of fun just talking about magic. If you ever like watching any Commander product, they do Commander Craft on Wednesdays at the same Twitch, and you can even play with them if you join their Discord, com, where they'll take basically on like Monday and Tuesday, they'll kind of ask for volunteers every week, and you can play Commander with them over webcam on Spelltable. And it's a lot of fun. Matt and I have both done it. It's actually really easy to play. It's not as good as playing in paper. But it is playing some fun commander, and we, I, it's really fun, and I recommend everyone that wants to check it out. And while you're on the Discord, you actually come check out our Cantrip Cartel page.
1: Yeah, I had a great time when yep. we played a couple weeks ago. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, we
0: had like a, a host only where uh, we bo- we all got together on like Thanksgiving and played, and I think you won one, and I think Aramis won one. So yep. we'll have get to get to together have again. Kick to, off with elves. Mm. Yep, we'll have to get back together and see if I can bring one home, and then maybe er- Will can, and we'll have a perfect balance.
1: Yeah, but- at no point in time am I not. Willing and able to represent for Elves in almost any format yeah. they're legal. Yeah, modern, <laughs> legacy, pauper. Mo- hey, you want to play EDH? Sure do. Yep. I got this green deck. <laughs>
0: yep. Little green Elves. All right. Other than that, Matt, is there anything you want to talk about before we hop into it? No, I think we're good to go. All righty, Matt. How is Legacy looking?
1: So over the weekend, we had a pretty big tournament. Uh, it was the Mox Showcase Qualifier event. 24 people are invited. Winner gets a Pro Tour uh, invitation. And a lot of prestige, too. Yes, I mean, and this is... You're playing with some of the best, like, legacy players in the world when you're playing. Yeah. In it, so. yeah the,
0: the Mox is a um, a very well-respected tournament to, to one, qualify for, and to two, do well in.
1: Yeah, just to qualify for it is a big deal. Yes. And then to do well in it, I mean, I... It would be the achievement of my lifetime to go 0-3 in this. Yep. Just getting my foot in yeah. the door would be big, good enough.
0: People think MTGO leagues are tough competition, and they are. The Mox is like the top echelon of the top echelon of MTGO.
1: Yeah, so first thing we always do, and this is, again, even bigger deal this time, uh, Canister brought it home with Black Red Reanimator. Yep. We don't have deck lists. Yes, so this week we don't
0: have... Uh, nearly as much information as usual. Right. This information does not get supplied to I think anything. So like we use MTG Goldfish every week to give you deck lists and give you percentages. We don't have that. So we're gonna have to go through and kind of just we'll we'll pull what information we have. We're basically looking at a Reddit post with the with the contestants and their decks. And, yep. You know we'll we'll be able to draw some kind of overarching uh, ideas from this, but we're not gonna be able to give you the as in depth as we uh, normally do.
1: Yeah. And and we can. I mean, we can make some assumptions here mm-hmm. just from looking at the lists and whatnot. But, uh, so, bringing it home, Canister, Black Red Reanimator. Uh, in second place, we've got... Uh, Misspelled Dahlia. Misspelled Dahlia. He, uh, this this player is in the top eight. He, yep. this, is a, this is
0: a very, very popular grinder. With
1: Blue Red Delver. Then in third place, we've got uh, Binu, Blue Red Delver. And then in fourth place, we've got Julian yep. playing elves. Good job, Julian. I don't know if you listen to this podcast anymore, but... We were both really happy we're to see your for Twitter you. post. I'm super excited that you did so well. On that note, though, as far as the Pro Tour invite goes, so they give out one. Mm-hmm. The first, uh, the guy who got first and second, both were they're in the MPL. They're already going. Yep. So they so bumped they gave it, it down. So they bumped it down to the third place winner. He got a Pro Tour invite, and Julian missed his invite to the Pro Tour by, yep. uh, from what he said, tiebreakers on his Twitter post. It was yeah. basically tiebreakers.
0: That's pretty rough. So that was a really, really uh, impressive showing. Like like we said, even to get to go to the mocks is crazy impressive. To do this well is crazy.
1: Correct. So couldn't be more, couldn't be happier for him. The only way I could be happier for him is if he, you know, if he got that pro tour. I would love to see him in a pro tour. That would have been amazing. Mm -hmm. In fifth place, we've got another uh, black red reanimator list. In sixth, we've got blue red Delver. In seventh, we've got red prison. (laughs) And in eighth, we've got blue red Delver. And then. In ninth, we've got Blue Red Saga. And again, the only reason I went to ninth is just to kind of drive that point home. Yep. H- half of the top 8 is Blue Red Saga, or Blue Red Delver, sorry. We talk about the metagame every week. Mm-hmm. I don't really know how much there is to say about it that we haven't said when half the top 8 is effectively one deck. Yep. So we saw that last and,
0: week. Um, to ju- Last <laughs> week, we saw in our top 8, we had 8 Blue Red Delver deck. or sorry. We had half of the top eight, four blue-red Delver decks in the top eight, and we actually had a fifth in the top ten. Yeah, the 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 meta seemed to be pretty inbred, at least when you're looking at the top players playing the top decks. You look at uh the five-zero lists every week, and those lists kind of look diverse. You see a lot of really cool five-zero lists. Leagues are much lower stake, and so people are doing a lot more jank and a lot more fun in leagues. Mm-hmm. But when you get into these, you even to the high the high stakes tournament of a challenge, you start to narrow down into a much more fixated metagame. And then you bring it to the mocks, which is just two tiers above that, and it just boils down to much deeper to a much more refined metagame. Yeah. Uh, case in point, did you remember what Julian said on his post on like, like his prep for the tournament? Yeah. He, Was
1: he... Go ahead. Well, what he said is he prepped to beat Blue Red Delver and Black Red Reanimator. Yep. That's what his deck... He he said he built it... I, he <clears throat> built it with beating those decks yep. in mind.
0: I built my list with almost singular focus on Blue Red Delver and Black Red Reanimator, which what, put in six of the top eight?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Him. Seventh was him, yep. and eighth would be the red prison deck. Yeah.
0: Um, I do actually have Julian's list. It's one of the very few lists we have access to. And so, um, one, Julian's our guy. We both love Julian and his content. And it's also, I think, the only list I we have access to at the moment. Matt may find another one, but we'll go through this just for fun. So a top-tier elves deck built to beat blue-red Delver.
1: Yeah, so looking at the list, kind of stuff we want to talk about would be the highlight cards: endurance and scavenging ooze in the main. Mm-hmm. Endurance obviously has some splash damage against Delver, but that to yeah. me, you want graveyard hate in the main that's searchable. Yeah. Again, endurance I mean, is good against both. Scavenging ooze is is. Not crazy uncommon to see in the main. I've seen scooges in the main it of Elves decks. It's atypical anymore.
0: Oh, okay. I must like, be a little behind the curve then. Because I I remember seeing scooges in main decks. But it, well, I used to run it all the time. Endurances, I'm not used to seeing those in the main. Those are usually pretty solidly in the side.
1: Yep. Uh, He's got the uh white splash for Archon. Mm-hmm. That makes perfect sense there. And then his sideboard is 100% what he's talking about. So you got four thought seizes, three more endurance, which is just a... A great card yep. against both those decks. To bring the full four of in. You got the Assassin's Trophies, which are pretty... Those are pretty typical, just yep. to kind of catch all. Force of Vigor, Collector Oath, and then two Carpet of Flowers. Yeah,
0: the Carpet of Flowers are going to be, the again, That's big pickups for Delver. Yeah. And then in the main, just to jump back a little bit, this is a Reclaimer list, not a Nettle Sentinel, not... Which,
1: that is pretty atypical for Julene as yeah, well.
0: To To bump in, again, weaken the Glimpse Turns to power up the Inevitability. Which makes sense if you are looking to play against the tempo deck, where you're going to have to sacrifice your speed just to stop them. Yep. And force through. Yeah, They're I guess I'm guessing. I'm not going to speak for Julian.
1: Well, yeah, and I mean, if you look at his list, he, yes, he's got reclaimers and he's got one Bajuka Bong, but he doesn't even have the typical like they'll be, you know, when you have reclaimer, you usually have a couple sideboard cards like Caracas or yep. you know whatever. More, more, more searching to lands. utilize your reclaimer. He just really wants to be able to either hit. Guy's Cradle or bajuka ball. <laughs> Yep, that's what you're reclaiming for. But this is the cool thing with Reclaimer, though. It is frequently a 3-4, yep. which is actually a very good card against Delver. Yeah, we've, we've talked I about I mean, it. that shit's all over Ragavan.
0: El- and Elves is a good grindy deck. Yep. Like, if the, the combo plan is a solid plan A, but plan B is also just outvalue your opponent with a couple turns where you draw four or five cards. Play a bunch of three fours and expendable one ones that draw. Maybe draw more. Maybe start drawing extra cards with uh, Elvish Visionary and just beat face over the course of five six turns. Absolutely, especially with especially with Grist coming, Grist and Endurance coming in, just to have more top end. Another three four with Reach and Grist to just pump out insects, Mm -hmm. pump out insects and remove any problem. Like, I mean, how how safe do you feel when your Blue Adelbert starts going through his graveyard? It's like cool. Cast Tide. My turn. Yeah, I'm going to remove two loyalty and kill that.
1: Correct. I have main deck answers for that. Uh-huh. I've got grindy value. He's searchable with a, uh, or he's fetchable with Green Sun Zenith. Yep. So just having the one of there is great. I love Grist. He's an excellent addition to Legacy, in my opinion. He's so, for to me. He's perfect. He's the perfectly designed Planeswalker. Like mm-hmm. not to say that like there he's the best one or, ever, but as far as design goes, yeah. Just having him as a one of. He's not. He does some utility stuff. He doesn't typically speaking take over a game. I tell he's, you,
0: it's not fun to play against him. I will tell you what. When you start, even even though they're just one ones, but just cranking out a one one a turn, yep. is it feels debilitating some well, sometimes it,
1: in certain matchups. It can be, and yep. especially against. Uh, typically speaking, you play control decks. So when you're playing a control deck, you don't have a just a ton of answers for planeswalkers. Yeah, don't. So not only is it a planeswalker so it's difficult for you to answer, it's making threats. Yep. So it's it's a planeswalker that's actively putting pressure yep. on you. And that's and why
0: Gris. My plan is to answer cards one on one or one for one. Yep. And he, this one card is making two, three, four, five more cards that yep. I have to deal with.
1: And just sitting there like you get a couple insects out and then you're like, well now I can't commit any creatures nope. to the board because all he's gonna do is sacrifice an insect and kill yeah. it.
0: Yeah. He's gonna he's gonna spend no cards to kill my creature.
1: Correct. And still have his grist sitting around. So
0: it's really interesting to see Julian basically draw the line in the sand and say endurance is better than leyline in this metagame.
1: Yeah, that's I a that, I...
0: that, that's, that's a big call to make. We, we we talked about the differences between leyline and endurance and the way that leyline is good because it dodges hand disruption and it actually dodges a lot of a lot of removal. Not as much, but it's also an ongoing thing where it isn't this one shot where you know leyline nukes everything forever until it gets removed. Whereas endurance is soft to hand disruption. And is a one shot thing that the opponent can rebuild from,
1: right? You you need to follow an endurance up with a quick kill, or they're you're yes. just going to be right back. As far as reanimator goes, yep. you're going to be right back in the same position. Yep.
0: I mean, and you can say the same thing for uh, a blue red delver. Yeah. If you're if you are worried about that merktide regent, you know, if, if it I'm sitting, take there, them long to get it. If I'm sitting with my leyline of the void, I'm not really worried about. It. And you know, we'll we'll, we'll use reanimator because it's been showing up so much. I'm not really scared of reanimator at all. As long as my ley line is out, because right. there's nothing you can do other than going dark, rit, dark, writ, dark, writ, grave Titan, which is possible which,
1: again. If they if somebody does something like that, you're like, all right, you got it. Yeah, that's you earned that. <laughs> right When when you when you, you discard four, four cards, cards to play a grave, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Ley line just is so bad. Like, it's good when it's. It's great in your opening hand and is just so awful. It's like a counterspell, where it's like it's
0: good good for one second, and then beyond that, it's useless.
1: Endurance just has a lot more game.
0: And, you know, it hedges a lot more uh, in the Blue-Red Delver side, I think, because Endurance is just an incredible beating in that it bodies almost every single threat Blue-Red Delver has to throw at you and walks away from it. It'll eat a Ragavan, a Delver, and a DRC. The only thing it doesn't eat is Murktide, and we have other ways to deal with that.
1: Yep. And on top of that, if you you combine that with those reclaimers, the odds you have a three-four sitting on the other side of the field, like on your side, pretty good against. If you bring those all yep. in, you got four endurance, four reclaimers. You got yep. a lot of unboltable creatures to just gum the works up yep. against Elver, and, and just it's, you basically force them to have a a merktide. Yeah, and then you, all all you need to do is save your ats for the merktide. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like yep. you've got four merktides. I've got three ats. I'm going to kill it as soon as it sees play. I'm going to use Grist to kill it as soon as it comes out. I'm going to use Scavenging Ooze to keep your graveyard empty so you never get to cast it for two.
0: On top of gaining life and making it bigger. Right. Very possibly. Which,
1: I mean, once Scavenging Ooze come, Scavenging Ooze is great in those grinding matches. Yes. Where it's just like, cool, we're going to trade back and forth. Oh, look at that. I've got five mana. I'm going to drop a uh, Scavenging Ooze eat three of my elves, now I have a 5-5. Five, five. Yep. A 5-5 five, five is very good against... Don't forget elves. you gain three life. Correct. Like, that life gain it's just matters. Con- it's that constant, like... Okay, I'm going to take everything you've done and kind of <laughs> undo it. It makes combat math way harder too. It does
0: when they can grow their ooze at instant speed. They can you, you, swinging for lethal is harder because they can gain life at instant speed. It, like you have to start keeping track of what's in the graveyard, what's going to the graveyard. Just trading creatures one for one becomes a lot less. Like it, it's it's not a on par trade because you're giving your opponent a plus one plus one
1: counter and a life. Correct. Like yep, I, I'm a huge fan of Guz. I don't think I ever cut him from my list. So he's he's usually my sixty first card. Is it common to run twenty lands with two Dryad Arbor in the main? Yes, that's okay. that's your typical. Okay, the, you've got a tiny bit of wiggle room, but it's it's usually right around either eighteen or twenty, and only three natural order. You think that is that another? That's, that's typical. Oh, okay, I thought I thought
0: it was a full four of that's especially with the Allosaurus Shepherd.
1: That's kind of how I used to play it. Mm-hmm. When Once Upon a Time came out, I cut mine down to three because you just you end up hitting them too often like that's fair you just don't want that many non-creature spells in your deck Mm -hmm. and it's the other thing is it's just you almost never want two natural orders it's just really nice like i like playing elves as a natural order deck as opposed to a glimpse deck julian himself is just way better at glimpse than i am so it doesn't surprise me at all like he's i mean there's a lot of times where he just he'd fire up leagues or uh challenges and just i've seen him a couple times just not even run natural order and just build it as a glimpse deck. Gotcha. He sides them out all the time. I um, you
0: told me about that. Like in the uh, well, it used to be before Allosaurus Shepherd, you'd side them out in the in the in the tempo or the fair matchups. Yeah. Do you still do you still side them out against Elver with Allosaurus Shepherd? Or you I lean keep in, mine in? Lean into it now. Yep.
1: Now that now that Al- with Allosaurus Shepherd, because that's why you want to side them out. Is typically speaking, if you're playing against a Force of Will deck, you don't want to two for one yourself because you're two for one. Not only like your opponent has to two for one themselves in mm-hmm. order to Force of Will you. And that's that's fine with, like, yeah, but, a glimpse. But you're losing
0: board presence.
1: Not only are you losing board presence, but, like, so if I fire off a glimpse and you force a willet, I've got one mana, two for one, right? Yep. If I natural order, I'm losing a creature that I've already paid for, I'm paying four mana, and then we're even on cards. So I'm down at least four mana, probably mm-hmm. five, in order to get that natural order yeah and then we're even on cards like it's a beating that's that, huge it's really big so when you're playing if you can guarantee that it was resolve or like yep if you weren't in the you know i have to cast it or lose kind of thing like getting your natural order force willed sucked gotcha so how shepherd protects a lot against that
0: yep that card's pretty ridiculous
1: well other than
0: julian's list i don't think we have anything else uh, perusing through this really quickly we're gonna do a little less on legacy this week uh, for two reasons one we have less legacy uh, information in terms of the the big tournament we want to talk about there was a challenge but uh, it's legacy guys so <laughs> we're not gonna talk much about it Legacy's is not in a great place i think we're gonna give ourselves a little bit of a break from the legacy meta at large yeah is there anything you see on this uh this 24 list of decks that you think is interesting and you want to talk about you know again we don't get talked about really anything specific deck wise or card choice wise but you know this was something that people brought the best of the best did you see anything that was kind of an interesting deck choice
1: it's not spicy anymore but eight cast being played and doing reasonably well i saw that if it wasn't solidified as a real deck it in my mind it definitely is now like when you have people coming to tournaments that can qualify you for the pro tour and you're playing a deck like that's a real deck same thing again i know Obviously, it's a real deck, but like Painter is something that is always kind of thought of as a tier two or tier three deck. Like I depends on how you define tiers. Some people define it as what people are playing, like as a percentage of metagame. Other people define it as like power of a deck. Mm-hmm. I've always thought Painter within the past, like I shouldn't say always, but within the past six months or a year, Painter's a real like a very you need to know how to beat it. I wouldn't yeah. say you need to like sideboard a ton against it because most people there's just not a whole lot of people yeah, playing it, does, it. It doesn't
0: have the meta share like that. To to justify
1: something like that? demand the
0: respect. You should know the Painter matchup. The bad thing about Painter, unless you're playing against it, is a lot of your hate works on Painter. Painter is susceptible to a lot of the standard hate. It's susceptible to Swords of Plowshares. It's susceptible to um, prismatic Ending. It's susceptible to basically any removal and also most counterspells. There are ways to get around counterspells, but um, with the really big pickup of Urza Saga, being able to just tutor up one half of your combo... Yep. Well it was a big pickup and
1: well and that's that's one of the things we love about Saga as far as legacy goes mm-hmm. is Saga doesn't seem to be like for a while there it was all over the place, but yeah. it seems to have been trimmed out of most people aren't just throwing it into everything. Well, they aren't throwing it into the good, good decks. Right. That's what I mean. But it's it's elevating those kind of tier two yeah. decks, tier three decks, yeah, like, like, like something Painter. like Painter. Painter was
0: definitely a tier two, tier two and a half, no matter how you look at it. Yeah. Like where whether it's power level or percentage it was tier two and a half and now it's tier one and a half maybe tier one like the deck is strong the funny thing is (laughs) depending on what colors you have supporting painter
1: like for a while Jeskai Ragavan was kind of all over the place Mm -hmm. using Urza's Saga and stuff like that that's kind of waned a little bit and people have just been leaning real hard in blue red I'm kind of curious how much more dominant blue red would be if it wasn't for Urza's Saga (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, because like then all those other decks just kind of lose well, a bunch of they lose a lot of percentage lose, points and blue red is just sitting right yep. where it would be
0: yeah if you can if you can match blue red delver card for card and get into the mid game where your saga start taking over right where that's they huge yeah until they drop until they drop a two minute eight eight and kill you in a turn
1: basically any if anybody who's listening that doesn't already know this if you look at this you should know the ins and outs of every deck list on this list like if you go to the reddit and look at the 24 on here mm-hmm. you should know how to play every single one of these matchups yep.
0: for, for reference we're pulling off of uh Mick Winsauce, one of our boys who we yep. love talking about on our uh, top 8s posted a th- uh thread in the MTG Legacy reddit where he has kind of culminated this list of decks and and uh, in the comment there's all, there in the comments there's all kinds of information about them but we're we're tapping into his link and i agree with that statement where you sh- if you are trying to become a Legacy player, if you want to be in the Legacy community, first of all, we're happy to have you. Welcome, we love seeing you. But yeah, you should be able to look at every one of these lists and have a pretty good idea of what the deck is trying to do, and be able to think of most of the cards in it and its win cons.
1: Yep. If you wanted to, this would be a good thing to do: is go through, make a list of each one of the individual decks. You don't, Mm -hmm. you don't have to do like the redundancies where this blue-red Delver deck has. Yeah. uh, Pick a list that seems reasonable. Make a gauntlet with it using proxies and test against those decks. And just take your deck and just get a friend like me and Jake have. we literally have this we have we don't have a full gauntlet anymore because we haven't updated it for a while we're still building it but and we just sit down like before a tournament like I'll sit down with elves and Jake will just rotate yep. through decks so I'll, we're gonna
0: I'll play Delver and then I'll play Storm and then I'll play Hogak and then I'll play Miracles and then I'll and uh, just play your deck against or if you have a weakness if you're like man I am have a really rough game against Hogak and I want to improve on that we'll just play Hogak five times in a row Yep. Just, and it's Figure practice. it out.
1: Yep. Get some reps in. I do want this is these are the decks you should be getting reps in against.
0: I do want to call out uh, Janky B in 15th bringing in a was listed as a blue white control list. Nice. So I'm really happy to see the only list I have in paper, at least in some <laughs> capacity, showing up.
1: Uh, you you probably have a very similar list to this like band expressive iteration list.
0: I could probably get close to that. Yeah, with, they're... Uh, Having less dual lands in is appropriate, but I could get close.
1: But yeah. It, it was an interesting tournament
0: um, in that. We get to see a really nice mix of all of the top decks, but it was also what we expect to see in a top eight. Yeah,
1: just like going through here, just looking at the names that like you just recognize. Where it's like it's Julian uh, McWin sauce, XJ Thali- Cloud, Archon,
0: misspelled Thalia,
1: misspelled. Yeah, like these are
0: very. I mean, that makes sense. These are the grinders. The yep. grinders are who the or who get invited to the mocks because they're the best performing players on average.
1: Yeah, congratulations to everybody just yes. for getting invited. Yeah,
0: certainly well done.
1: Again, shout out to Julian. Well done, sir.
0: So for Modern this week, we had a Modern Super Qualifier. So Obviously, it's a little different than a Showcase Qualifier. It's a little different than a Challenge. It's one of the 14 different kinds of events MTGO can host.
1: As opposed to a mocks Super Qualifier. As opposed to a... Is, or, it, sorry, a Mox Showcase Qualifier. It, yep. This is a Modern Super Qualifier. Yeah. And um, I don't know what any of those mean.
0: I, I, a quick Google search told me what a modern super qualifier is, is basically allows you to play for a spot on the player tour or a pro tour of some kind. Essentially, it qualifies you for a much higher level tournament, but I don't think it has any like like entry requirements. So it's basically like a um an open PTQ yeah. where you can just show up and play. Gotcha. Uh, they don't do them nearly as often as other events because.
1: Which is what PTQs used to be. Oh, PTQs were open?
0: Yeah. I did they, not I remember it. correctly. I never got to go to one. So but yeah, yeah. So this is kind of an online PTQ where you kind of just get to show up and up the cream rise at the top they do it a couple times a year
1: yep you do a ptq and then if you won you got an invite to the pro tour Yep, you get a and blue
0: envelope I, and i don't know if this gets you into the pro tour quote unquote but it gets you into some pro level event this is a this is a high stakes tournament again so that's why we're, i'm going to cover this over the challenge we had on sunday i think this yeah. is a lot more this is a lot more relevant and i, I this might have been on sunday i'm not really sure when these happen because i know that i've seen some names from the sunday challenge also showing up from the super qualifier, so they don't think they happened at the same time. Yeah, and Wizards is awful about uploading the dates. I'm not super positive, but we're going to talk about the qualifier this week. First place was JV7777 with Crashing Footfalls.
1: I wonder if he plays Final Fantasy.
0: A list that we haven't seen in a while putting up really good numbers. So therefore, probably a month or two, right when this podcast started, Crashing Footfalls was kind of dominating the meta, and it dominated for a long time where it was putting up two or three lists in every top eight, Saturday and Sunday and then it kind of got pushed to the wayside which basically means everybody started putting Chalice on their sideboard and dropping Chalice on zero turn one or two and just shutting these decks down but you know we've slowly started to see these decks kind of creep back up and it's really cool to see it bring home and kind of reassert its dominance at top because you know what we're looking for in a metagame is this churn where one deck is great for a while, and then it gets pushed to the bottom, and a new deck is great for a while, and then it gets pushed, not to the bottom, but it, get, it gets yeah. pushed down out of the top eight for a it, and so we're churning back into, looks like, some Crash Cade coming back in.
1: Well, just to back up your point here, drive it home, in the top eight of this, there were three total Chalice of the Voids and Sideboards. <laughs> People did not come yep. prepared to play against Cascade.
0: Cascade has completely fallen on people's radars, and that, I mean, it's the blue-red reanimator of Legacy, where... When the graveyard hate falls out of people's minds, that's when, that's when the Gristle brand shows back up.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it's what affinity used to do. That was, uh, before they banned Mox Opal, that was kind of its role. Um, mm-hmm. it wasn't dominant, but it would do the same kind of thing where it's like, okay, everybody put their stony silences away. Time to f- spike a tournament with yep. affinity. And then everybody's like, Oh, we got to do this again. And they bring in their stuff. And so looking at this list, I don't see anything.
0: I, we've talked this before. I don't see anything crazy in here. Um, <laughs> Running, crashing, or uh, sorry, running these cascade effects is very limiting on deck building because you can't have any zero, one, or two drops in your deck yeah. unless you're running something like Brazen Borrower or Bone Crusher Giant. One subtlety is cool. I was gonna, that's what I was going to bring up was we do have one subtlety in the main and one subtlety in the side to help secure. I'm, I, I'm obviously some kind of creature mashup. It might be Prime Time. I'd say it's probably there to help shear up Prime Time and Tron. Tron has been picking up a little bit and primetime has really been picking up lately. Now obviously subtlety is good for any deck. I mean
1: it's good for Merktide. I was for- gonna say it's it's very good against Merktide. I mean, I think it's it's okay. Like I mean it's force of will for murktide. It is, but <laughs> So, I mean, you could just, well. I guess you
0: can't run. You can't run counterspell.
1: As far as this deck goes, it's basically force of will for Murktide.
0: Yeah, I guess that's true. And so. Murktide
1: has been picking up, but it, it, like you said, it basically hits anything somebody wants to tap out for. Yeah,
0: like it, you it, don't want to. There's a couple decks right now going crazy. I mean, like it, it does hit. It, it can buy you that it, that essential turn against the four color xenothes. The uh, the omnath decks, the elemental decks. Like it does hit just enough that I could I I can see the the two the one main one side, but I, I also understand going down to just one cause there's not really a whole lot that it's like really saving you from other than the one here, one there.
1: Yeah. It's more than likely. And uh, this is, you know, the most obvious statement in the world. It's in there primarily just because you're not allowed to run anything better. Yeah. So it's just like, this is the best thing I can do to answer these cards that still doesn't get hit by a yeah. cascade. And I would agree there. And yeah. I think that's, I mean cause you, that cause to me you, is per- the perfect thing about that card. Like that's where those cards should exist. Mm-hmm. Like I love the fact that cards exist like that, where it's just like it's a very good card in a very narrow window, yep. and it's not yep. seen everywhere.
0: Because you've got three fury to clean up all the small stuff. Like you're not really worried about the yep. ragavans, the esper sentinels, the even even things, even some even the uh, the hammer times. Because you've got fury to come in and clean up just stuff on the board. But the subtlety's there for things that fury can't can't get.
1: Yep, and subtlety is also. So the one thing to look, one of the things to keep in mind there is with Brazen Bar, where you don't want to think of your subtlety as a one of. You kind of want to look at it as one of five, because it, while it it does counter it, Brazen Borrow is also one of your answers for Murktide and Prime mm-hmm. Time and stuff like that, yep. where it's just like bouncing you know, it, bouncing it, just a cheap little tempo answer to get it out of the way. Yep, just so, to buy you time. Yep. So you you're just your... like, I need a couple more answers for that those yep. big spells
0: to force your four fours through. Yep
1: to force your fourth force through
0: second place was a orchov hammer time list so we're definitely sporting the in my opinion the superior
1: version with lurus. lurus yeah it doesn't um there's one thought season in the main i wouldn't call it spice running thought season is probably never spice but i don't that, that doesn't seem very typical yeah.
0: briefly looking over this list i don't see anything crazy in here um yeah we, we have all our endings in the side uh, one thought season the main is kind of new, I guess, but like this looks like a pretty stock list. This it's, looks like a pretty standard, um, just chock full of four of's. It is running the new, which is it's not new at this point, but Ingenious Smith is kind of the new addition that has just kind of become stock in these decks. The ability to dig four deep for any equipment, and then just the fact that it gets obnoxiously large every time, or at least once a turn on your turn, making it giving it a plus one plus one counters for playing an artifact is very easy to do.
1: Yeah, is uh. Portable hole standard,
0: yes. Okay,
1: um, I figured it was. It's it's it's, it's a very it, good card.
0: I wouldn't say it's like in every single one, but it's not at all uncommon to see portable hole yeah. out of these lists, just because it's a it's a relatively solid cleanup for the early game.
1: I always like to call out cards that I just think are just very well designed, even mm-hmm. if they're not super powerful. Powerful portable hole is a very cool card. Uh, is super flavorful. Like, yep. Just I don't bring up flavor a whole lot, but portable hole is super flavorful and just. It's super flexible like it's it's a card that's just not it's just really it's just a really well designed card. Yeah. We were we were really excited
0: about Portable Hole when it got spoiled out of the D&D set. It got spoiled quite a bit early. Yeah. Um and then just the vastly superior prismatic ending got printed and right. like prismatic ending is borderline probably too good for magic. Portable Hole is like excellent. Portable yeah. Hole is a limitation that there should be on a on a one on essentially a one mana removal spell that hits any permanent, any non-land permanent. It's the it is the limitation that it needs. Yep.
1: Yeah, I, I love that card. It's cool.
0: Third place. Third and fourth are Grixis Shadow lists. So Grixis Shadow kind of maintains its top top tier seat in terms of just kind of dominating the meta lately. We're putting up kind of like we talked about where Crashcade put up two or three lists in the top eight for weeks and weeks and weeks. Grixis Shadow is there. Everyone's playing Grixis Shadow, and it's just it's just always in the top eight, and it's gonna be and it looks like there almost for a little identical bit. lists. Yep. And it I mean identical lists, even what we've seen like. Yeah. Obviously, these lists probably play with one or two of them and I'm missing, but these lists are almost identical to what you see in a Grixis Death Shadow list and what you expect to see in a Grixis Death Shadow list. Fifth place was another Hammer Time list, but this Hammer Time list is actually splashing into green. So we've got Luris and Ancient Stirrings. Not something I see super common. I have seen it before in Hammer Time decks, but it is not something that I kind of expect to see. So Ancient Stirrings in the main, obviously just going and getting most anything it's it's kind of like a better version of the ingenious smith which oddly enough it is taking the ingenious smith spot in the main deck but just allowing you to dig five cards deep instead of four and you can get lands off of it if you ever wanted that out of your out of your thing
1: yep yeah that's it's just kind of interesting to look at the two that's what i've been doing is just looking at the two hammer time lists just comparing them so So you got ancient stirrings and then no portable hole yep the sideboard
0: you get to buy yourself into vale of Summer, which obviously is really good in this very control-heavy meta. Yeah. Well, I mean, Grixis Shadow is one of the top decks, but a blue-white control control is still a very discard very powerful. Discard all
1: over the place with Shadow.
0: Yep, discard is all over the place with Shadow, and then control is all over the place just because. So, like the one of the reasons control is doing so well is because one of the better decks is the are those four-color Omnath decks, and they just dirtle around so long that your blue-white control lists or your Jeskai control lists have so much time to get into their five to ferry or their wilderness reclamation and just can't take over games. Like I've seen I've just seen those blink decks have such a hard time closing games out mm-hmm. that you just have time to build up to something huge. So Bail of Summer it seems like is like a really good sideboard call. And one of Gaia's blessing. Because we yeah, gotta we, throw a little bit of respect to Mill, because Mill's pretty good in modern right now.
1: We were so excited when Guy's Blessing first came out. Yeah, way back in the day. <laughs> uh, if I remember correctly, it's also the original art is also Rebecca Guay. Not super important, but Guy's Blessing's just one of our favorite cards from. Yep. Back I mean, in the day.
0: Rebecca Guay is one of my favorite artists. Yeah. She has some really good looking art.
1: Real, if you haven't seen it, Guy's Blessing's beautiful.
0: I'll have to look it up. Sixth place was a Merktide Regent list. This is that pretty stock Legacy list in the middle of modern. You're running almost the same threat suite for, uh, Channeler, for Ragavan for Merktide, and then just worse removal and worse counterspell and worse cantrips in the in the main.
1: It does have two Blood Moon, which kind of kind of drives home the point with these like three and four yep. or four and five color. Like, Blood Moon has definitely lists.
0: been going up in popularity and stock lately, just because mana bases are getting really greedy and modern, and so you're starting to see a lot more decks running Blood Moon that can afford to run Blood Moon um especially in the side this one even running it in the main
1: which is again we've we talked about it a few times but just that's why currently i think modern is just really in a good spot is like these greedy mana bases are coming in and so people are just pivoting to blood moon like mm-hmm. currently there just isn't anything there's a couple things that are a little bit questionable but there's nothing that modern players haven't been able to solve yeah. when given a couple weeks in order to do it yeah there's i mean you see
0: a lot of these you see a lot of these lists kind of shuffle back and forth a little bit But the top dog and what is like putting up multiple lists a week changes on the month. Yep. Absolutely. That churn is what people are looking for. Like, you know, just because Grixis Shadow is the best deck for the last two weeks doesn't mean, um, Cascade Crashcade's been bad, right? Like, if you own Crashcade, you can still go play and do. You can still top eight a challenge with Crashcade. In fact, just the harder. fact that
1: Grixis Shadow is super popular means you're again more likely to do yeah. well because now nobody's rocking yeah. their Chalice of the voice. And, You
0: know, once you're running, you know, when Crashcade hops on top, it doesn't mean that the Five Color Blink deck sucks now. It just like Crashcade's a little better right now. But you can still, if you own Crash, or if you still, if you own Five Color Blink, you can still go do really well with it. Like, this is the churn. I want to see in my meta, not the, well, MH3 is coming out in six months, so we'll see what decks become obsolete.
1: Yeah, so basically what people should do is have, like, Hammer Time and then something like Cascade or something. You can have your, like, linear glass cannon cool combo Uh deck. Play that when people aren't playing their Chalice of the Voids or their, you know, answer. And then when they are, just pivot to Hammer Time and just bounce back and forth week to week. Exactly. Just pick two decks that don't have the same. Yep. Like they don't have the same Achilles heel. Yeah. And then just pivot whichever one is popular. Yeah. That at you're, the time. you're just ready to show yep. up to any
0: challenge and be ready to play to the meta. Yep. Seventh place was that five color omnath list I was talking about. Those hyper greedy uh, ephemerate style lists. I apologize. This is not an. Eph- I it was loading it. This is not an ephemerate style list. This is a five this color is that
1: bring to light list.
0: Yeah, five color omnath with bring the light. So this is a little more stock than the one we kind of made fun of last week where it had bring the light and a bunch of humans and some, some weird one ofs, but this is a this is more of a scapeshift list. Like obviously you've got, you know, omnath and dryad and like Renin 6 to help like stable games and and you obviously you can win with an omnath. You can win with um Uh, renin six but like the way this deck wins is this deck stabilizes and gets to its scapeshift and scapeshifts out a balakut or a couple of balakuts and a bunch of mountains with your dryad making them all mountains yep yeah that's uh and then bring to light obviously like we said just a good way to filter through your deck and find whatever you need most likely it's going to be scapeshift the piece you need it's probably scapeshift a lot but it's also probably dryad a lot depending on what you have in your hand
1: so i'm going to do a little self-own here uh Modern players, please make Brain Delight a thing. It was actually my first spec way back in the day. Oh, so yeah. So I think I have like 10 Brain Delights just sitting in a binder. Those are like, that card is just, it costs five, so mm-hmm. it needs something very powerful yep. to do. But it's just begging to be broken. Well, it's one of those things that like every year it gets better. Correct. The idea, like the idea
0: of cards like that where they tutor out the best thing for the number of colors, it just gets better every year.
1: Yep. So that's, the problem was that set was opened like, um... It was, there were quite a few packs of that set open because that was the expedition set. Yep. So I spec'd in a set that had a ton opened.
0: Yeah. Well, but every year we get, every year more and more of them disappear. Yep. They get run over, they get washed, they get In 20 years
1: after Bring Delight is no longer good.
0: (laughs) Yep. When we're all playing Alchemy and everyone sold their paper collection 10 years ago.
1: Yeah. So yeah, keep keep (laughs) bringing your Bring Delights to the tournament.
0: Eighth place is our more traditional four color blink list with on Om- or with uh with our Yorion, our seven our seven elementals, eternal witnesses, and four ephemerates. Yep. So this is this is pretty stock compared with what I've seen. The number of planeswalkers is a little higher than normal. Four three uh four to fairy time raveller and four renin six. Those numbers are usually like one of those is usually at two. Usually you don't see eight planeswalkers, as even in an 80 card deck, they just stack so poorly. You know your second Ren is kind of garbage unless your first one gets destroyed. But yeah,
1: yeah. But Ren and six is just so good in this deck.
0: Ren and six is really. I mean, Ren and six is just good. Period. Well, it's um, just
1: being able to repeatedly reuse your fetches yep. in a eighty card four color deck. Yeah, never missing your land drops. Being able to remove. I mean, there's there's so many X
0: ones in the format. Being able to throw one damage around is so powerful. And then you have just your, your huge top ends like Omnath Eternal Eternal Witness. Uh, relevant this one is not running a time walk or not time walk but a time warp so we don't have the infinite turns loop in here we're running Eladomri's call kind of in it's place so the ability to tutor up whatever creature you need when you need it which again Eladomri's call pairs so well with fury and solitude the ability to just go get the thing you need and if you have to use it right away to not die yeah other than that, I don't see anything crazy. It is hilarious to point out the one emmercruel, the promised end in the side.
1: Yep. Well, you don't want to lose the mill. This or, is, no,
0: that's the that's no. the other one. That guy's just uh. So I'll admit, I have no clue why there's a fi- why there's a thirteen drop. Look. Is uh, emmercruel on the side?
1: Anything stupid? Not stupid, but anything weird that would allow him to cheat it out doesn't look like it. So well, I imagine the way I, the thing that's a hell of a top how end. I look at that is. Your games are going to go long. Yeah. <laughs> Delirium type stuff is everywhere. Is that your mirror breaker, you think? That's, I mean, because uh, so realistically, he's going to cost eight. Mm hmm. Between land, instant, sorcery, creature, and planeswalkers are everywhere too, right? Mm hmm. So getting five card types in your opponent's graveyard is not an enchantment. Impossible. An enchantment, like artifacts are everywhere. Yeah. So, like getting five or six card types in a real long game, making him cost seven or eight, I'm, and when he does, he just wins the game.
0: Yeah. So, I,
1: that's, that's a, barring I, anything I, I we're not
0: seeing. I saw Emrakul, when I kind of assumed the Aeon's Torn. Yeah, that's, no, it, it, this is, I did the same thing. You said Emrakul, and I didn't
1: even listen to the other three words. Emrakul,
0: <laughs> The promise End. That's a really interesting top end to bring in. I'd be interested to see games where like that card gets cited in and whether or not it's relevant. Because we've always talked about like a deck, especially an eighty card deck, can probably do fine with one bad card. A sideboard can definitely do good with one bad card.
1: You know how he's getting that out. Omnath.
0: Oh, getting to double up on mana with a fetch yeah. land, yeah, yeah. So you need, I mean, but you still need what eight lands out and then crack a fetch.
1: Well, I mean, it's a combination of things. I guess it's, yeah.
0: So if he's reduced to costing eight, if he's
1: reduced to costing eight. Then you have an you Omnab could play your fetch.
0: Four, you could play your fifth land, crack a fetch, and you have a mana left yep. over. Boom! Wow,
1: <laughs> that's hilarious, and I love that. That's the
0: best way to cheese out an cool I've ever seen. <laughs> oh yeah, that's points, so good. Points to Zach. Attack 23. That's a that's and pretty And the cool. one of
1: makes perfect sense with the Eldamory's call. Yep. So go you get it. O- he's he's one of in an 80 card deck and you only go get him when it's when you absolutely for sure can cast him. Yep. That's cool. That's uh, that's super exciting. All well right. done.
0: We're getting a little late in our episode for meta recap. So let's run through this meta summary and these cards really quick and then we're going to hop into our final topic of the night which is actually going to be the Kamagawa kind of sneak preview we got. Yeah. So meta game summary 22 percent with hammer time seven decks in our top 32 that's kind of a lot for modern usually you don't see any deck breaking the top uh breaking 20 percent of the meta but I'm not surprised at all that's hammer time hammer time is kind of colloquially just one of the most popular
1: uh best decks in modern and it has been for a while it's not to take away from the deck at all it's also one of the cheaper decks yes. it's the cheapest tier one deck especially online so it's going to be like yeah online it's 350 tickets like only burn is cheaper it looks like
0: yeah between three and 500 tickets is pretty freaking cheap for, yeah. uh, for a modern deck, especially in the world of Solitude, Fury, and Urza Saga.
1: Yeah. So it's kind of like Death and Taxes and Legacy, where it's going to be a little overrepresented just because it's a little yep. cheaper. And that's not to take away from the deck, but it's crazy good too. Or any pilots who use it. It's just yep. you're going to have a lot more people playing it.
0: Yep. And then right behind that is Death Shadow, that Grixis Shadow list was six, bringing up uh, almost 19% of the meta. And then we've got five decks, uh, that's four color Blink kind of Yorion deck with almost 16% of the meta. So this meta kind of congealed around a couple archetypes a lot more than usually we see. We usually see maybe one list in the six or seven decks and then a lot of like threes and twos. Whereas this is we have, you know, we have seven, six, five, and then a bunch of twos. So this week kind of congealed a little bit more. Um what that what that says to me is, you know, it looks like modern is kind of settling down into 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 a steady format that people are going to start programming against and completely shake it up here in the next 2 weeks.
1: Yep. So yep. if I were you, in the next tournament, you're probably going to want to there's two ways it could go. Either you're going to see a ton of death shadow again, so mm-hmm. you want to be able to beat death shadow. Yep. Or you want to be able to beat the deck that beats death shadow. mm mm-hmm. Mhm.
0: <laughs> yeah, like that, that that that's what you need to be bringing to the tournament is either yeah, be ready to beat death shadow or counter program against death shadow's weaknesses. Yeah.
1: Cuz people are going to show up to beat death shadow after yep. this tournament. I
0: mean, how, with how it's every week more people show up to beat it. Because it's every week it's it's showing up in such huge numbers. You know, five more people go, I'm not losing Death Shadow this week. And then eventually Death Shadow is gonna get its butt kicked.
1: Maybe I just need to trade my sagas and something else into ragavans and build Death Shadow.
0: Uh, I would highly recommend not buying so- not buying ragavans yet. I don't think he's here to stay for long.
1: I don't know if he'll go anywhere in modern. I don't well, think but he- once
0: once he leaves in legacy, the price is gonna drop quite bit. a bit. I bet a lot of ragavans are being held by legacy players. Most played cards. This is pretty standard: Expressive Iteration, Mistress Bobble, Prismatic Ending, Ragavan, and DRC. Almost the same as every week. Like these numbers definitely don't change very much. And that's kind of sad to see. Top creatures: Ragavan, DRC, Solitude in third, and Esper Sentinel in fourth with Memnite fifth. Top spells: Expressive Iteration, Mistress Bobble, Prismatic Ending, Unholy Heat, and To Fairy Time Raveler the Three Fairy and fifth. Um, the most played cards definitely don't change very much at all. Creatures look pretty similar. Solitude's kind of moving around in there. As for Sentinel and Memnite, those are always there. And with the most played cards, those are also pretty common. I think there's a few more Teferis here than normal. All right, that's all I've got for Modern this week. Why don't we bump over into the announcement that we got from Wizards about Kamigawa, which I think is, I, I wonder how much of it was planned and how much of it was spurred by the sudden leaks that happened. So over the last week or so, We had, and a lot of people don't talk about leaks, and so we're not going to give these guys a ton of validity, but we had some pictures kind of posted to Reddit of someone had somehow gotten a hold of a couple Kamigawa cards. Yep. And then, what, three or four days after those went up, Watsi came out with an official, like, mini spoiler session for Kamigawa. The set that doesn't come out until, like, February 28th, February 27th.
1: So there's typically, speaking around this time, there's a little bit of a, like, downturn in like card prices and interest in magic you got the holidays and stuff like that so i could see them wanting to generate a little bit of hype going into christmas you know hey don't forget magic is a thing guys we got a new set coming up buy stuff for christmas yeah and this is talking about magic again i mean
0: this is the biggest window we've had of no of no spoiler season no cards coming out for the year yeah where we had crimson Valve come out like a month ago and that kind of was like that was kind of the, the... That was supposed to be the last thing until... Supposed to be the last thing until the new year. And it was kind of... You know, that usually comes out, I think, early January. I can't, remember that, I can't remember what set that was supposed to be, but it wasn't supposed to be right after Innistrad. That wasn't supposed to be right after the fall set. They kind of took one of next year's sets and smushed it up. Mm-hmm. So we were we were set to have a really long break, especially by modern printing standards, and that completely got shook up with, hey, guys, here's like four new cards and the basic lands you get to look forward to. Yeah. So just really quick, Matt, since the Kamigawa Neon Destiny Neon Dynasty, I think I've been saying (laughs) it wrong the whole time. That's fair. uh, Is kind of what you've been most excited about. Why don't you kind of take over and read through some of these spoilers and tell us what you think about them.
1: Yeah, there's not a ton to, I mean, there's only a few cards and the rest are basics. Um, I guess we'll do the basics first, just because they're the thing I'm most excited for. Mm -hmm. So there's these, uh, there's two basics for each type. Two plains, islands, forests, swamps, mountains. They're gorgeous. Like, I don't really know what else to say about. Other than that, like they they've replaced the there's a I'm assuming the print in Japanese there is Plains Island.
0: Yes, they are. They literally say, yeah, they say just I don't read Japanese.
1: I'm just it's the logical conclusion. And then they have the man assemble there and then their full art. And they are there's not a single one of these that doesn't look great. I have my favorites, but these all look fantastic. So personally, these are okay.
0: I'm deaf. I'm on the other side. Like, I like these are cool lands, and I will agree that these are some of the most beautiful lands that have ever come out. Just like objectively, that's but, what I
1: mean. Is yeah. like, like the art on every single one of these cards is beautiful.
0: Um, they are not. I most of these would not be in contention for my favorite. Let's say like my favorite plains or my favorite mountain. Yeah. but they are. They are. They are beautiful. I recommend everyone like go check these things out. Like
1: I personally like if we're just like critiquing the cards, I wish they would have made the name and mana symbol far less prominent. Yeah. Like make the border, um, like I would have just put like a very small thing at the bottom that says, "Yep, they mountain." They, they could have shrunk that by like eighty percent and it'd be fine, right? Like, because everybody know all it needs to do is it needs to identify itself as a forest. Everyone knows what it does. The the lands, if you
0: aren't looking at them, they, they they're very traditional Japanese art style lands, and you can eat like they are very reminiscent of the Strixhaven, um, archive. Not Strixhaven. Yeah, the Strixhaven, like mystical, the mystical Archive, art, the Japanese. Japanese alt art versions. Yep. They're very reminiscent of that. They're really pretty. Like, in my opinion, the swamp with the the swamp at night is, like I said about that night, but the swamp that doesn't have any of the balloons in it. Yeah. Like, that. It, it's it, that is probably the, the best looking land, in my opinion. It's beautiful. I think the island is probably a second for me. The island with the, uh, the uh, origami cranes in it, or origami swans, is beautiful. We were talking about it. Like, these are going to quickly become the vast majority of people's stock lands. Yeah,
1: the, that's the only downside to this. Because they're going to
0: have a very high print run. They're going to be in, like, one in every three packs. Yes. So not every in single pack. standard like, legal set
1: that is probably yeah, going to be you know, very
0: popular. It's not like Innistrad or Zendikar where they're in every single pack, but they're going to be in a lot. And I'm going to bet Dollars of Donuts that Kamagawa gets a bunch of packs opened just because it's got the japanese flair to it
1: this is going to be literally what everyone thinks but i've got a yuriko ninja list like this is mm-hmm. th- this is where i would put those because i like to have my it, basics in my commander like yeah thematic or a particular style so like i uh my marin deck is my primary uh edh list so I, rebecca gue is my favorite artist so rebecca Guay basics right mm-hmm. we've got japanese themed basic lands i've got a ninja deck that's where these would kind of lean to these are gonna be everywhere. Yeah. Um, my personal favorite, uh I really like the second mountain. It's got that dragon in the background, and that's really cool. And it's the it's the mountain wick with a
0: mountain and the, yeah, and the whisks like, of flame.
1: That's super cool. Um and I don't know how I I literally know zero about art history styles or anything. The very last forest, I really like stuff made with that style, and I don't know why. <laughs> don't even know how to describe it, but it's that's just. <laughs> I think the forest it, that are, kind of appeals to me.
0: The forests are like my least favorite, I think, of them.
1: And then the, I do also like the first plains yep. with the city. See, really? I dis see, I dislike most I lands. Don't, I don't, I don't like it as a plains, but I yep. really like that art.
0: I, uh, I very, I usually don't like lands that have clear civilization in them. Yeah. I, I like the landscapes that are very like untouched, undisturbed landscapes.
1: There's, the only time I really like them is when I'm using them to build a tribal deck. Mm-hmm. So like there's a there's a one particular there's a couple uh, mountains that have like a goblin civilization built on the mountains. And I think that's, that's really cool. And if you're going to yep. build a goblin deck, that's so like if I was going to build like a green like I don't know if I would use them for elves, but like a green tribal deck mm-hmm. having one with a vil- having like a village based green. Absolutely. Forest would be cool. I think my, um, but I agree with you there where I typically don't like civilization on lands either.
0: When my wife built her rats deck, since she's a mortician there, I think it was Innistrad has like a graveyard swamp. Right. And like, it's just perfect. Like, yep. I, I, I'm, I'm glad they make them because you never know when you want a land that looks like that. Like, I'm glad they get kind of crazy with it. But I usually like the ones that are like, like the island waterfall is just crazy and beautiful to me because it's just a nature waterfall.
1: Yep. And uh, so... Wizards uses this phrase a lot, and I don't like the way they use it when they say this product isn't for everyone. Mm -hmm. This is what I think about when they use that phrase. Yeah. Where we're going to print something where it may not appeal to everyone, but no one loses. Yeah. Because it's, we're going to do a very specific style of basic land. If you don't want to use these basic lands, there are literally hundreds of other arts for basic lands.
0: Exactly how I feel about secret layers and the concept of like that the scavenging ooze, in my opinion, it, it looks ugly. It's terrible. Yeah, like
1: with the neon pink and green yeah, crap. but that's fine. I don't have to use it or buy it. It doesn't hurt anyone for yeah. that to be...
0: It attracts zero, other than you have, to look at them, you have to look across from them sometimes. Like, it doesn't attract from you, but like, hey, there's a mountain that looks like a Japanese village.
1: Right. You don't have to... It's not going... I mean, all these are going to do is make standard really cheap, because people are going to be cracking packs. <laughs> yeah, for no kidding. Like... Not to say that Standard's been expensive lately, because that's one of the things yep, they've done a very it's good job cheap. is, again, we always talk about credit where credit's due with Wizards. They've done a good job keeping Standard relatively cheap, and mm-hmm. that's one of the that's one of the effects of doing all these alternative art things, is you put in non-gameplay-related chase cards, yep. and it drives the price down. If you want to play Sugu,
0: it encourages people to crack packs. Yeah,
1: if you want to play him, he's not going to be a $50 card. For the regular version.
0: I don't know. He, the, the the the
1: neon pink one might be. Well for the regular version, he's gonna be a dollar to five dollars. Yep. And then if you want to get a blinged out version, you can throw all the money you want at him, mm-hmm. but you're not required to pay fifty dollars in order to build put him in your deck. And that's one of the things they they really started to get that um with the uh the masterpiece series they did with the expeditions and then the uh the inventions. And the invocations is those really drove down the rest of the price of the set and didn't affect standard in a negative way at all because mana crypt isn't legal in standard.
0: Mm-hmm, exactly. So,
1: um. Then they got rid of them and shifted them to secret layers, which right. I think those two things are probably directly related. Oh, we can mana crypt is two hundred dollars. Yep, for can, a shiny mana crypt, we could. Why are we selling that? Yep. <laughs> um. As far as the actual cards go, uh, we've got Hidigetsu, uh Hidagetsugu. Devouring Chaos, Uh, he's a four mana, one black, uh, four four, Legendary Demon Ogre. He's three and a black. Yeah, I know, but he's four mana, he's got one black. That's just how, in my head, that's how I read that. He's got black, Sacrifice a Creature, Scry 2. Powerful ability. Yep, in the right circumstances. Uh, Then he's got two generic and one red. To tap, exile the top card of your library. You may play that card this turn. When you exile a non-land card this way he does damage equal to the Exiled card's mana value to any target. So the first thing that popped up for me and Jake was uh, Worldly Tutor up an Emrakul on top and yep. then dome somebody for... I think
0: Draco costs more, doesn't he? Draco's a 16. Yeah, whichever. Yeah. Yeah, Worldly Tutor up a giant giant and a big, big and well, punch face with that him.
1: Well, the, the thing that I thought of with Emrakul is, isn't Through to the Breach or something? Isn't there there are already red decks that run him, right? Trying to cheat him and play? Yeah. Yeah, there's a Through the Breach deck in Modern that could play him. Yeah. So,
0: I don't know what they were thinking about with this card because, like, the mana cost and the secondary ability on its face kind of scream commander to me. Well, yeah. but it also isn't because it's target, it's not like each opponent or anything. So, like, it's not a very good commander card. And with the way standard has been, it's not a very good stand. A four mana, four, four that you can do something next turn isn't that good either.
1: No, realistically, unless. So the way I see this happening is this guy sees almost no play anywhere unless there's some weird ass combination that yeah either hasn't been spoiled yet, doesn't exist yet and comes out in the future, or nobody's just seen yet yep. because there's you know, it's we're nearing holidays, there's spoilers that yep. weren't everywhere. So, you know, there's there's not as many eyes on this yet, but unless there's some like hidden tech where somebody just breaks this, I don't really see this card going anywhere. Yeah. Seven mana. And a turn to do something. mm mm-hmm. draw Just to, to, to potentially draw a draw, card. Maybe and, dome
0: your opponent for well, a reasonable number would be like four or five. Right. Unless so, it's a land. Like.
1: But I mean, e- well, the problem is this card has two conflicting things going on. You're paying three mana. You wanna like yeah, you don't have a ton of mana to cast the card yeah. on top.
0: Whatever you exile, if it's big, you get you, to swing for a bunch, but you don't get to you don't get
1: to cast it because you have to tap out to use it. Yeah, so kind of weird. And he taps, so you can't even attack that turn. Yep. And he doesn't do anything when he ETBs or dies, so he's not good in multiples.
0: Not nearly as good.
1: Yeah, like that's a very very strong, strong yep. drawback. So he's just not a very powerful card. Now that being said, one of the reasons we don't think he's very powerful is because magic players have gotten super spoiled with yeah, power creep and for sure. I mean if this card existed back in the day just he's just a, he does a lot he's just not very good in the context of modern design
0: exactly now what he did do is he did give us a a, a taste of the new like showcase printing they're doing um which is not exactly showcase cuz there's different showcases. Yeah. Moving back into, you know, we're looking at seven or eight different printing versions of a card yeah, sometimes. Yeah.
1: Currently spoiled seven different arts for this card. Yeah. Not arts, but different versions. versions.
0: So, there obviously is like a kind of like a promo showcase art where he's doing, he has a different pose and he looks a little different and it, it's it's different. What they've added on to that is a another level of like rarity and coolness where it has this like these neon Color streaks of like red or green or blue or yellow to kind of differentiate it again as like a new hyper rare, hyper special version. What's weird about these is this new foiling process is going to be hyper rare and then escalate in rareness. So I'm going to read off of Wizard's page here. So these will be prized finds for players and collectors. And three of the colors will be found only in Kamigawa Neon Dynasty Collector Boosters. Less than 1% of boosters will contain a neon ink card. There are about half as many green ink cards as blue ink cards, and a quarter that many red ink cards. So if there's X number of green ink cards that are only in 1% of Collector Boosters, there's half as many blue ink cards Then, um,
1: sorry... Yeah, other way around there, right? So if there's what is it? Where does it start? So this is if so there's a hundred blues, there's only fifty greens, and then there's only what sixteen reds? No, a, yeah, a quarter of fifty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, or, sorry, 14? Yeah, it's, math 12, is not my yeah, strong twelve suit. or thirteen. Yeah. yeah, twelve
0: or thirteen. Like, in incredibly rare. So that would be hypothetically, if you opened up what ten thousand collector boosters, you'd get those numbers because it's one yeah. percent. Or it'd be like, so you open a thousand collector boosters. Yeah, so you
1: have to open a thousand boosters before you can start doing a hundred of them. Yeah.
0: These things are freaking rare. And like, the, like...
1: Which is good, because perfectly honest, I think they're ugly. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Um, So like, Heartless Heartless Hedesugu is, I don't know, like, I don't see him being a chase. Even the rare, rare, rare version, I don't know why you chase him down, but if they end up printing a really broken, a really good version, like... This is how I would rather them do, like, essentially expeditions. Yeah, like, I mean, that's
1: basically like what Like, Heartless
0: Hedesugu will always be cheap. Sorry, this isn't Heartless Hedotsugu. Sorry. Hedotsugu devouring, devouring chaos. Yeah,
1: Heartless would be expensive because he actually I'm, sees play. Sorry,
0: I'm thinking about, you know, actually OG Kamigawa. Yeah. Um, but if Hedisugu be becomes good, the original, the boring one, will always be cheap. And if you have the money to blow and you want a pimped out deck, you can chase down the hyper rare blue one. Oh, there's one more thing. Um, the yellow neon e-treatment is available as a promo at WPN Premium local game stores. Gotcha. But so the you you can hunt down these hyper rare, hyper premium versions if you want to.
1: And if you don't care, you can go grab a regular one. So this is it's related, but doesn't really matter. Somebody got to pick their favorite color because somebody decided which color is going to be the most rare Mm -hmm. someone was just like you know what red is the best color so it's going to be the most rare (laughs) how'd you like to have that job i was trying to think so like so the order is
0: was it what the order is what green blue and then red that's bait i I think i think that's very video gamey though like green blue red like green is usually uncommon blue is usually rare red is usually mythic Like that that,
1: very easily could have been the way they did it. That to me feels
0: very video gamey, but also doesn't mean anything. Like there's very little rhyme or reason to this as far as
1: I know. Right. So it's, I mean, we're talking about the exact same art with different. Yep. Just literally just different highlights of different colors. That's a hundred (laughs) percent purely subjective. It
0: looks a lot like, I mean, it's like if you're playing a video game and you can like change the trim color on your car. Yeah, like it's just changed it like the it's the exact same. You're just changing the outline coloring of him. That,
1: Interesting. The whole thing, to be perfectly honest, seems very silly to me. It seems very Yu Gi Oh Pokemon esque, yeah. where we're just trying to we're trying do to make as, to... as
0: many rare versions of a card as we can. Yeah. And um. This... When I was listening to I was listening to the MTG Goldfish Cast, and I believe it was Krim was talking about how he had at one point used to be a card sorter, and he said sorting for Yu Gi Oh was the worst thing ever because yeah. Yu Gi Oh has 13 different forms of rarity for the same card yep because there's just there's hyper rare and there's hyper gold rare and there's premium rare and there's super rare yellow and there's super and like this is kind of what we're approaching like with this style of printing where we're going to have the same card has 13 different kinds of rarity
1: some so. dude is going to love this card he's going to build an edh deck around it and have to drop 500 because his favorite color is also red <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> That's what this boils down to. I would learn to like <laughs> blue really quickly. <laughs> <Correct>. <laughs> or you could do like me, like I do, and I actually prefer the original card frame. Uh-huh. So the further we deviate from that, the less I want it, typically speaking. So like I look at that and I go, well, the only one I'd actually really want, like if I was going to play this card, I would buy the original version, the, just the basic version. He'll be a buck. Yep. So good enough.
0: What else do we got for Neon Dynasty? We got two more cards.
1: Yep. So there's two more cards. Uh, There are a couple of, there are some unofficial spoilers, just some leaks out there. Uh, Which could
0: be real, could not be real. Yeah, I don't want
1: to talk about cards that could potentially be fake. I don't really care about the politics of it all, but we don't know that those cards are real and I don't want to waste anybody's time. And
0: this set comes out in two months. I'm not really worried about it. We'll get spoilers when we get spoilers. So if
1: those cards eventually, I mean, if they do become confirmed, we'll talk about it. But Mm -hmm. until then, I don't want to talk about potentially fake stuff. This is a waste of time. Uh, next, we have Atsushi, the Blazing Sky. This is a cool card. Uh, whether or not it sees a ton of play, I don't know, but this is something Jake and I talk about and I bring up all the time, multiple times this episode. A well designed card. Yeah, I like it a lot. So he's four mana, two generic, two red, for four, four, flying trample, legendary dragon spirit. Mm-hmm. So one of the things people complain about all the time is ETBs. We're like, we're in a world of ETBs where if your card doesn't do anything on. When you either cast it or it hits the battlefield, then it's just, typically speaking, not good enough. Yeah. Because you need instant value for your cards now.
0: Too much stuff does something as soon as it hits.
1: Correct. The way I look at it is I don't necessarily mind cards having value, but it should be more of a, a, we get value in one way or the other. Mm -hmm. So, like, when you play this dragon, he has a death trigger as opposed to an ETB. So it's when he dies. You can choose one, exile the top two cards of your library until the end of your next turn. You may play those cards. We've already seen similar cards that do that effect, and we know that that effect in particular, while isn't super broken, is a good effect. Yep, the like having
0: temporarily draw two cards. Temporarily
1: and, draw two cards, and it's the end of your next turn. Yep. It so says, you
0: said so this says play. You can not hit lands. Yep,
1: you can hit lands. There's nothing wrong with that effect. That if that. Uh, it's as close as you, as close as red is ever going to get to drawing two cards. Yep. In any time, anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is create three treasure tokens. So like both Jake and very were, strong effects. Yeah. Both very strong effects, but they don't happen when you cast them. You don't get to pay four mana yep. and immediately replace himself like Omnath did. Yep. Where it's just like, I'm going to play this guy, play a land. Cool. He's paid for himself and he drew a card. Yep. It's like he never, I didn't have to invest anything into him.
0: So the cool thing about this Atsushi, the blazing guy, it sets the precedent a little bit of like when you cast Atsushi, what you get is a a four-four flying trample. Yep. And then when you lose him, you
1: get more things. Yes. Like I think pseudo replace him if he goes away.
0: Yes. But you get you don't get rewarded for casting him by with more stuff. The reward you get for casting a four-four flying trample is you now own a four-four flying trample and you can kill your opponent with it. Like I, I, think that card design would just like I think Magic would be better if more cards follow that design. Where, It'd be far more interesting. But like, it also
1: creates, from an opponent's perspective, it creates some issues where it's like, well, if I want to deal with this, they're gonna get something as well. Rather than, well, if he, you know, just as the first one that popped in my head, Prime Time. Obviously, with Prime Time, you need to kill him one way or the other because it's got that attract attack trigger. Yeah. But like when he comes in, he's already got value. So like, yeah, he's already done his thing. You need to kill him. Because he's going to keep doing more of his thing, whereas this, it's like, well, if I don't kill him, then they don't get that. So there's going to be points in the game where it's better to not kill this, and that's a choice your opponent has to make. Where if you're, you know, for whatever reason, you know, say your opponent's hellbent and the four four is just not relevant, you don't kill it. So you don't because you don't want to give your opponent more exactly. And he
0: stacks really well. Where if you draw your second one, you can just play it, choose one to keep. Yep. And get your death triggers.
1: Yeah. So it it's a little bit of a um. You know, a way to get around the drawback of being legendary a little bit. Uh, obviously, this is something we should just mention. These are obviously callbacks to the original Kamagawa Dragons. Mm-hmm. I mean, duh. If we're in the same plane. There's going to be legendary dragons. Yep. Nobody should be surprised about this. Uh, this one currently has three uh, versions spoiled. There's the normal version, the normal card. Then there's the extended art. And then there is a gorgeous yeah. alternative art.
0: <laughs> they did a really good job on the alt card with this one.
1: beautiful. Um
0: has like him like calling around like looking at you like all like badass yeah, yeah. looking
1: uh, as Jake and I talked about earlier um before the episode i as far as the aesthetics go i'm I'm a big fan of the eastern like flying spear flying serpent mm-hmm. dragons rather than the western like big lumbering dragons. They both look cool, and obviously, you know, who doesn't love dragons, but it's I just think the japanese the eastern style dragons just look a little cooler. That's yep. just a subjective thing. Yep. So I'm I'm a big fan of these like that cards. Just
0: to wrap up, I think a lot I think a lot of cards would work a lot better. And I think a lot I think magic would be a lot in a better would be in a much better place if wizards adhered more to this, or at least went going forward, adhered more to this death trigger instead of ETB trigger. Right. I'd like to see that.
1: It's more interesting. Uh it means you you're not always going to get it. You either have a four four or you you have get it when you lose something.
0: Right. You get something because you lost something. As opposed to just you paid three mana for Uro.
1: Right, or four mana for Omnath, then you draw a card immediately, then you have multiple other abilities. Uh And I mean, it's there's nobody who plays Magic that knows that doesn't know Omnath is busted. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but like he is the epitome of this kind of design we're talking about. Yeah, where he is so much value that he just crapped all over standard for the week he was legal. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) like he was banned
0: before he ever got released, like in paper. Right so pretty funny
1: it's just ridiculous that's what they hit their like how far can we push Uh this concept and it'd be nice to see it and they obviously are at least to some degree dialing that back a little bit and again while we do call wizards out for their crap I do want to commend them when they do stuff well that is a very well designed card super cool I'd be happy to play that Um, next up what about um, Kaito Shizuki? Yep. So we've got a pl- our first planeswalker of the set spoiled. Uh he's a cyborg ninja looking dude if you've ever played the Metal Gear Solid series. Very uh,
0: Shadow Ronny too.
1: Yep. So um he's a uh a generic, a blue and a black for a three loyalty planeswalker. Uh beginning of your end step. If he enters the battlefield this turn, he phases out. So he kind of protects himself a little bit, at least initially, until you can generate some uh
0: loyalty. So What this card showed was most people don't know how phasing works, because when they spoiled this, the internet went crazy saying that you can never attack him. Right. So phasing does not trigger ETB. When a card phases out and then phases back in, it does not count as entering the battlefield. It just stops existing and then starts existing again. It's
1: like if you put a shoebox over the card. He's just not there, and then then So
0: when you cast him the first time at at your end step, he will phase out, and then next turn he will come back. And he'll have, he'll have he'll have the same loyalty. If he phased out with four loyalty, he'll phase back in with four. Yep. And then you can do a thing with him. But on your end step, that turn, he will not go anywhere. He is now there to stay, unless you
1: can find a way to flicker him. Yeah. He's He is going to be difficult to kill. Mm-hmm. Because by the time you can attack him, he's going to have five loyalty. Yep. And you're going to have, realistically, you're going to have creatures out to block. Yep. So you're going to... Yeah. It's going to be hard, hard to kill go ahead
0: him. And do his, what's his plus one?
1: Yeah. So his plus one's draw a card, then discard a card, unless you've attacked this turn. Mm-hmm. Pretty so, likely,
0: to, pretty easy to do if yep, you're building I mean, a deck around gonna him.
1: he's going to be cr- the obvious thing is he's going to be crammed into every ninja deck uh-huh. just because you got a bunch of people like me who are like, oh my god, ninjas. Yep. And just love shouting ninjas. Well, his too. minus
0: two works really good with ninjutsu.
1: Yep. So his minus two is create a one-one uh, blue ninja creature token with this creature can't be blocked.
0: Yep. So just dying to be ninjutsued.
1: Yep. Absolutely. And then number uh, is minus seven, which doesn't. You're probably going to get to seven fairly often just with like if you're running this card. Mm-hmm. it's gonna you're gonna I mean, probably gonna get seven a, pretty like
0: in a control deck or in a like really grindy like like you could get there
1: well i mean and just like you want to run him in a deck with creatures because if you don't then he just loots yeah exactly So like you want to be attacking you want to be attacking and he's like i said before your opponent can attack him he's going to be at five so you just need to get through a couple more at that mm-hmm. point so the seven is definitely something that's it's at least designed to happen a little more often but minus seven you get an emblem with whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, search your library for a blue or black creature card and put it onto the battlefield then shuffle.
0: Yeah, that's a pretty powerful effect. <laughs> yeah, that's very cool. <laughs> Tutor and then cheat it into play. That's, I mean, realistically,
1: that's probably one of the more powerful ultimates we've ever seen. Yeah, uh, there's, there's a few that just read just, like if you take out the ones that effectively read kill your opponent. I mean, yeah, but like... But like as far as like... You know, you you lop off those five or ten, right? Mm-hmm. Where they just you ultimate and you just win the game, like Liliana of the Veil, sacrifice half your stuff. Yeah, sure, okay. We lop off the the top five or ten percent of that. No, I, this is very that's this could cool. Maybe be better than that. So whenever a creature you
0: control deals damage, you get to just go get. You uh,
1: get to he the, Brand. the ceiling is very high. brand's
0: on the board. Yeah. Uh, Inkwell of Vythin's on the board. Tysspot Tyrants on the board. Archon of Cruelty on the board.
1: The the thing about him, though, is you're gonna have to commit to one or the other. So, like, I don't know how often you're running Grizzlebrand in a deck that also is gonna hit seven with this. Well, That's true, but uh, but as just, far as what he can do, like, just pretend for a second they're both but, the same deck. <laughs> well, so in my head, I look at this and I'm looking at it in either Modern or Legacy, and so like tutoring out a uh, you know, <laughs> so tutoring out Yuriko when you don't. Okay, cool, yep. that's fine. Okay. Chuck it into EDH Hear where he's going to ultimate all the time, and you're going to get all crazy kinds me of out. stuff.
0: Kaido Shizuki, yep. Painter Servant, Emrakul the Aeon Torn. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> all we can to do is get Kaido to seven, ultimate him. We could then you could then attack with the Painter Servant, deal damage, and put an Emrakul into play. There's
1: because- this card that also costs three called Show and Tell. That's where I would start if <laughs> I wanted this to play Emrakul. tutors this is a cool planeswalker yeah, i think he's, he's really neat he's very cool he's he's right where i kind of like planeswalkers especially like so he's he does a very particular thing well but he's just not a broadly powerful one like oko or jace where he's just he's just doing boring stuff
0: even though he will come in almost at five
1: yeah now, obviously he's
0: multiple and well he's not multiple as soon as he comes in but like you can hit him with bolts you get him with abrupt decay yada yada but as far he, as like Through combat,
1: go you've got unholy heat. Yeah, through
0: through combat though, he's going to be hard to remove before he gets to five, unless you're going to unless you immediately like make a one-one blocker. Yeah, which again, it's also important to recognize that this planeswalker does protect himself in a sense. Yes, you could you could come down, make a blocker. He phases out next turn. Plus him, draw
1: a card, even attack with that blocker if you need to. Yep. Like,
0: there's potential here. This is a cool. This is a cool 3 man
1: planeswalker. I think. Right. He's he's about he's about as strong as I think planeswalkers should be. He's somebody. Yes, I mean, as far as just relative overall, like, if we're, regardless of the cost, so, like, Karn is a good example of, like, just because he costs a bunch doesn't mean he sucks, Mm -hmm. but, like, as far as, I don't think there should be a ceiling on Planeswalkers that they can't be as, overall, as powerful as some of them are, because there's only so many ways to deal with them, like, unlike creatures, creatures, you can make creatures incredibly powerful, because, like, Every set has a dozen ways to kill a creature.
0: We, we've been we've been printing removal spells for creatures since, since alpha. alpha. We haven't been print we haven't printed a removal spell for planeswalkers
1: since Lorwyn. Yeah. Is that's been basically that's when, it when they started. Yeah. And they used to suck back then. And the basically the best one we have now, there's a couple, and there's some stuff like abrupt decay, which would hit him anyways. But you've got like unholy heat, Assassin's um, Trophy, Assassin's maybe Assassin's Trophy, Fracture's kind of cool. That's one of the things you and I were talking about the other day. Yeah. But like you just You just don't have these broad, sweeping answers to them. So there needs to be there's no there's no destroy target planeswalker for cheap. Right. There there needs to be a lower ceiling, in my opinion, for what planeswalkers can do. And he's he's about as high as I'd want to see that. Where I'm, I I don't think he crosses that line. Basically, because I just think he's too narrow. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he's he's a cool card.
0: That's my my last thought for you on the episode. I will throw Wizards a lot of credit that they have shown me a lot of good card design in the yes. in, in what they've chose to spoil.
1: Yep. So just, points. So far, we haven't seen anything. Uh, we don't want to beat a dead horse, but something like Ragavan, where it's yep. one mana has eight lines of text and is just boring. Yep. Good card design all around. Yep. Uh, since we've mentioned it with the others, real quickly, we've got currently three spoiled versions. The face on the normal one looks a little weird in my opinion, but the other two are more like anime style things. Mm-hmm. One of them is very stylized. I would I say one of them looks kind of like old Teen Titans.
0: Yeah. Like OG Teen Titans. It kind of looks like that art style. And then the other one looks a little more like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles style.
1: The the third one we're looking at, the, the really heavily stylized one, it looks like it's out of a manga. Like one an older manga.
0: Yeah. Colored. A colored yes. manga. But yeah. So. Interesting. Yeah. Very cool. cool. All right, Matt, as we come to the end of our episode, which is, of course, longer than we meant it to be. Is there anything we've forgotten before I begin our wrap up?
1: No, I think we're good. I think that's about everything we wanted to cover today.
0: All righty. Well, as always, I like like to shout out the Plain Soccer Podcast. We are proud members of the Plain Soccer Podcasting Network. Will and Aramis throw their show up. Uh, they do a live cast on Mondays at twitch.tv forward slash plain soccer podcast around seven PM Eastern Standard Time. They do a great job of giving you all the information you need about anything standard or commander related, and you can even play commander with them on Wednesdays around 7 or 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at that same Twitch location. Just hit up the Discord, discord discord.planesockerspodcast.com. And while you're there, make sure and check out our Cantrip Cartel channel. If you want to reach out to us, send us an email at cantripcartel at gmail.com. You can check out our Facebook group at Cantrip Cartel, and you can even follow us on Twitter at Cantrip Cartel. Matt, is there anything I'm forgetting?
1: Uh, No, I think you got it all. All right. Well, then we will see you guys next week. Have a nice night, guys.
0: Oh, uh, at the end of your turn, I'm going to go ahead and cast Faithful Mending and discard an Archon of Cruelty in a land, and then I'll go untap and persist. That's
1: way better than my frog bite.